Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Our guest today is fellow member in the Club of Rome, Dr. Petra Künkel, a strategic advisor to international multi-stakeholder initiatives that address complex sustainability issues. As the executive director and co-founder of the Collective Leadership Institute in Potsdam, Germany, she is pioneering a new type of leadership that focuses on collective competence. There, she fosters result-oriented and value-based collaboration for the common good. She's the author of numerous books, including Mind and Heart and The Art of Leading Collectively. Her brand new book, available now as of February 2019, is Stewarding Sustainability Transformations. What, what have you done in your life? What happened in it that made you become such a wonderful force for good? That's, you know, always an interesting life story. I've, once, uh, when I was very much involved in Vipassana um, meditation, I have met a meditator, a meditation teacher, who visited me in Cape Town. And I think I was about 42, 43, and he sat on my seat and said, you know what, for the first half of your life, you take in the world. And then for the second half of your life, you give back to the world. So that was quite a pivotal moment where I said, you know, am I really doing what I need to be doing? Am I really being the, the let's say, the person that I can be? Am I the person at my highest best in terms of giving back to the world? And I think that was the, the absolute um, pivotal moment for that. Wow. And, um, and and how did you then go about changing your life from the previous occupation to what you do today? I think, you know, it is always a, it's always a storyline, you know, there, there isn't a, a, a great interruption, at least not, uh, you know, at least not, not in my case, but it is, I was always working with people. I was always uh, looking at, you know, how to enhance the aliveness in, in human systems among people, you know, in my change management consulting, in my leadership development that I, that, that I was, um, you know, the senior faculty in the United States for big companies. And uh, working with people and enhancing their capability to shape the future together uh, was always at the core of my work. And then the the big question that occurred, you know, in particular in these high potential leadership programs in the United States, uh, was what for? Where are we leading towards? And I experienced a lot of people from multinational companies, you know, be it BP or Shell or Motorola and Eli Lilly, etc., that did start asking the question. And so we had an absolute great and fantastic program that was looking at how people could um, work more collaboratively together, how could people use dialogue and, and engage much more people in their, in their companies. But we weren't at that time able to really look at the what for, you know, like, what for are we doing this? Are we doing this just to have a better profits in our company? Our companies, are we doing this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, for the, for the sake of our shareholders? And it was increasingly that people wanted to ask these questions. And for me, that was, um, that was um, another moment where I said, I said, you know, I need to combine what I do 
um, for the enhancement of people and organizations and companies in, in order for them to, you know, to be a more impactful system within for the betterment of the company, I need to combine this with sustainability aspects. And that is asking in leadership development for the for the question of what are we leading towards? And in our world today, in 2018, I think that it's more than apparent that we do have a collective responsibility for the future of the planet. And that is actually the shift that took place. And that's the shift that also led to saying, I'm stepping out of my basically consultancy and change management business into creating a non-profit organization that particularly looks at what need what can what can the sustainability movement in the world learn from the change management knowledge that is already existing and how can this be translated in the large systems change that we actually need to yeah need to manage brilliant so can you take us through the top tenets of your collective leadership um, framework so that we understand, because our listeners are company builders, business people, investors, entrepreneurs, and they all have the same issues. So uh, what can you give us? So at the core is something, you know, very, very profane. And at the core is, and at, uh, all, almost all company people, all, all business people know that, is that business works best if if you really focus on relationship building, because that is what's doing business. People need to have fun doing business together and then things work. I know that this is very profane. It sounds rather strange. However, um, you know, like this is how the world works. You know, we do business together with people, although we then kind of build a lot of institutions and structures in between, but actually we do business between people. So, but it's not just doing business between people. It is the enhancing a what I call the spirit of aliveness in people. So that's why I say, you know, business needs to be fun. So at the core of the collective leadership idea is that we create conditions where people can feel more alive and they need to feel more individually alive but that transfers to the systems that they operate in the company the department the team uh, and then it cannot stop at that boundary of the company it needs to extend to the aliveness of the system around so at the core is to say collective leadership creates a condition for us to take care of an aliveness of ourselves of our organizations and companies, but also of the world. And they're very simple six elements, you know, that help us guide that kind of spirit or that kind of mindset, you know, in which we approach internal change in organizations, company performance, and but also kind of the role of a company within a society. And the first aspect is is pretty much economic and, and being visionary, you know, like without a a really good, let's say, emotionally compelling goal, an emotionally compelling vision. You will not engage people. People need to be inspired. So, so that that's something you need to care, take care of. The second element of the uh, collective leadership compass is engagement, and that is about looking at how what are the processes that we need to put in place that bring get people into self responsibility because. 
everybody knows, particularly today, you know, in a, in a very volatile environment, uh, very hierarchic companies are not performing very well. It, it's the inspiration and the engagement and the commitment of people when they have the feeling, you know, like we can co-own the future, we can co-create the future, that is increasingly important. The third element, the kind of lens that you look at in, in, in when you want to get collective leadership going, is to say, what is the innovation that is really important and that needs to be supported? And where is this innovation? Because sometimes we overlook innovative approaches that are already there. So it's really um, looking at innovation, but also combining this with a sense of mastery, because excellence is extremely important and, and wanting to continuously improve. So it's a prototyping, but it's really getting the prototypes on the road and not ignoring existing emerging innovation, but looking around and really creating an environment, you know, when, when innovative approaches are welcome. And the fourth element that is extremely important in collective leadership, um, that is going back to what I said in the beginning, it's about relationship, it is about humanity, it is about uh, becoming mindful and also, you know, on the individual level, see what are the practices, the mindfulness practices that we have. But on the team and organizational department, and world level, it is about, say, you know, what's the level of empathy we need? How can we understand each other better? And what's the relationship that we actually need to need to build so that the people feel part of being a community for change? And um, the fifth element of the collective leadership compass is collective intelligence. Now, people, you know, many people and companies may think, you know, you know, the individual needs to be intelligent. And th that's good and that's important we do need individual intelligence uh, but we also need to create um, dialogic processes where the different intelligences can come together and it is the the diverse perspectives that actually make a difference so we need to harvest differences for progress and the last element the number six of the collective leadership compass you know, in order to kind of really create an atmosphere and a space for collective leadership to happen is called wholeness and that has many aspects that has individual aspects that look at uh, what's the level of harmony that I can live with myself and my teammates and you know my, my kind of within you know like my, my company but it is also the contribution of my Self, my team, my company to the larger issues in the world. So that that's the connection to taking a responsible tense stance towards the planet as a whole. So and if you bring all these elements together in a kind of guidance which exists, you know, around the collective leadership compass, uh, then you create a space in which that spirit of collective leadership is is much more present and people feel much more alive and when people feel much more alive they operate with each other in a different way they collaborate much more easily they overcome conflicts um, they can deal with differences in a different way they can deal with challenges and difficulties in a better way they become more agile and you, you that's never going to be perfect and that's not the issue but the ability to drive things forward and to also adjust uh, strategies when you face difficulties is is much much more improved, much easier, and people have fun.
Yeah, of course. That's the, 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 the foundation. So what is your particular daily practice that you keep up with yourself so that you can lead your team, your companies, your, your clients? Do you have a particular set of um, practices that you do? I do. I do have a practice. I do have a daily practice and I have a, a weekly practice. And I'm saying I'm not perfect yet because if you become too, too rigid, you know, it's not going to work. But my daily practice is that I do manage most of the time between half an hour and one hour meditation per day. Sometimes I fail, but that's, you know, that's important part. And I can see uh, that if I, if I haven't meditated often enough, you know, that my meditation is like thinking instead of meditating. <laughs> but, you know, like at least, you know, I keep up the practice. I do have the practice to walk my dog every morning. Uh, that is very important because that calms my mind and then gets gets me into be, becoming very creative. It's just kind of being exposed you know, to nature. Um, I do... I'll do a lot of a lot of walking, but I also make sure that in in my and, and that's also kind of practice, you know, in my uh, business relationships, in my professional relationships, that there is always a moment of check in and check out, you know, that that a moment of connection, a moment of attending to the person as the person is, uh, a, a little chit chat, you know, like something that makes people human or it helps people to access their humanity and i do have a you know that belongs in collective leadership in the future possibilities i i do have a practice of a, a kind of weekly review of my goals and my larger goals and you know of my weekly goals and my weekly wins as they are called as a, i call it a sunday re ritual and, and that's a bit 15 minutes to 30 minutes on a Sunday, kind of looking at past week and looking at what are the five key priorities to focus on in terms of impact for the next week. So this is not a to-do list. This is really getting my mind focused on what I do. Brilliant. So given the fact that we all need to change and transform our organizations and the world around us, what, what is your recommendation to our audience as to which of course consists of entrepreneurs and investors and business people and company builders as to how to go about transforming their own organizations apart from hiring you to to come in and do that the recommendation is pretty clear the at the at the outset is really taking a decision to you know to really say i want to be part of a movement that takes care of our world, that takes care of a planet, that takes care of people. And then there are a million things that one can do. So the second for me, strong recommendation, you know, first is really like getting yourself into a thinking process and and making that decision because it changes everything. The second is uh, to say, please talk to people who do this can be anybody, you know, like 
like get yourself into connection with people who are engaging for the betterment of the company, the betterment of the world or whatever, in, in order for you to benchmark a little bit and see, you know, what, what is my path, you know, because our paths need to be different. And the third is to then establish your networks because the issue is if you want to transform your companies and we, for example, at the moment find a lot of um, younger people in large companies who really want to make a change in that company and get pretty frustrated, you know, because uh, it's just so difficult to change mindsets, to change structures, which are very important, and to, to just change change patterns you know that we, because companies are operating not in a pattern that really is generating a a, a better future you know and so and it's important uh, so the third recommendation it's important that you get yourself your own transformation network going and that could be master, mastermind aligned of people you know um, outside your company that that you know people can support you but it definitely need you need to look at uh, what is a transformation network within the company and you need to think beyond your department beyond your areas of responsibility and you may even think beyond the company so these are three elements that are extremely important. And the fourth would be that you say, um, can I like get myself up to speed? What are the trends and developments in my area of expertise? What's happening in the world? What are the conferences that I need to go to in order to meet other people? So you need to make yourself actively part of the movement, even if you may only be at the beginning. Wow. So, and on the other on the on the other side, what is what are the common leadership mistakes that people make that you currently see in terms of in terms of companies of not going or not doing the right thing? What 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 where do they get trapped? What are the blind spots that we we get caught up in and and you know fail to to implement the recommendations that you just made? Yeah, they're typical blinds, uh, kind of, let's say, uh, traps. I would call them traps. You're right. Traps, yeah. The, the typical traps are, number one, who I am to do something. You know, like, you know, I'm just all on my own. And, and, and the, the, the four recommendations that I've given uh, kind of help you to become, to get into the feeling that you are really part of the bigger movement and they can connect to that movement. So the first trap is the, you know, who am I to make a difference and others are also not doing anything, why should I? Yeah, so so getting over that is very important. Uh, the second trap is I can't change anything because the structures are the way they are. And nobody's interested in that. You know, they're my recommendations of benchmark, talk to people, get into networks, find your transformation network, etc. is extremely important. But it's a typical feeling that um, I've spoken to, you know, kind of a former CFO of a big company. And she says, you know, like I've, I've stepped out because I can't change that. We need to change the economic system. Otherwise, we can't change our companies. And then it was too big. So be a little bit aware of um, if your ambition is too big, you know, you might get um, paralyzed. So that's another, you know, the trap of paralyzation is, is very important. So then kind of scale it down and say, okay, I know, you know, the world needs, the entire world may need to change before I can do something different, but then scale it down and 
look at what's the next level thing that I could do, what's the next level network that I con could connect with, what are people who are thinking in a similar direction that I need to actually meet up with and, and find a way. So these are, um, I think the typical major trap is feeling isolated in, in wanting to lead a, a, a kind of lead transformation. And then, of course, you know, there might be another trap and the trap is um, complete oblivious, being oblivious or being ignorant towards the change that, um, that actually is required. Uh, but I do think that becomes increasingly difficult because I think there's so much in the news about climate change at the moment. There's so much about biodiversity loss. There's so much about company engagement, etc. I do think the uh, the ignorance trap is is gradually uh, yeah um, not so important anymore. Right, and uh, the old systems. Another thing that I um, I also see is that it comes back to this, this is too big, it's too enormous for me, I've tried to change it, it doesn't help. What I recommend, and I'm, I'm as a serial entrepreneur, I recommend starting your own company. Uh, the, uh, it is true that uh, the immune system of a big organization will eat you up the moment you come show up with a new idea. So the best way is, you know, even for a CEO to start a new company on the side that addresses the current issues that you want to change and then have that company grow, which will grow faster, much faster, much quicker, with much less money and be much more profitable alongside the old organization and then integrated uh, into the old structure. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's brilliant. That re it, it really mean, means, you know, kind of uh, you know, getting over your it's too big uh, via prototyping something that models the new. Yeah, exactly. Because that's when you, I've, I've experienced this so often uh, within the high tech world. I, I used to work at the second largest computer uh, developer uh, or, um, in the world. It was Digital Equipment Corporation, it was after IBM and before Hewlett Packard. And uh, Compaq was a, a new startup and it, it ended up purchasing uh, digital equipment which then later on was purchased by Hewlett Packard. So, and that moved really, really fast just because DEC wasn't able to change itself. And you see that so often, I mean, what's happening with the automobile industry right now, you know, where companies like Tesla and so in small Indian and Chinese uh, um, electro um, companies, you know, are catching up and eating them up, eating their lunch. Yeah, so another uh, question that I have for you is... Um, what um, the the Club of Rome has just celebrated the fiftieth anniversary, and uh, in your view, what was what is the greatest accomplishment that the Club of Rome has reached this far? And moving forward, what do you think will the Club of Rome do? What is our ability to influence the world and contribute to the world and contribute to our audience to? Uh, to bring about the shift that is needed? Because we only actually need 10% transformation. We don't need 100%. So if I, if I look at the, you know, the main achievements of the Club of Rome uh, for the last 50 years, then of course I need to go back to the report limits to growth. And um, a biggest, probably one of the biggest achievements that, um, that is that, that where the, where the, 
club of Rome members don't even exactly know about is how many people were inspired by that report to actually go back to what I said earlier to really make a decision and say, I need to do things differently. And, uh, you know, like I, I know a few CEOs of really large companies for them, the limits to growth report was a, a turning point. So, uh, and in addition to that, it, it with that report, it built a, a global network of people, even though, you know, may, you may see, you know, other reports were not as, as um, kind of distributed in the world or as responded to. Uh, the Club of Rome built a storyline around the need for sustainability transformations and a need for uh, understanding how to do these sustainability transformations, which, by the way, is going to be um, the next report of the Club of Rome that I wrote uh, with the title Stewarding Sustainability Transformation, which will come out in February 2019. And if I look at the 50th anniversary, it's not only um, a factual shift that we now have to female presidents, it also there is a meaning behind that and there is a meaning of doing things differently, kind of um, making ourselves ready, you know, to operate in the 21st century as a club of Rome, where there are so many other actors now that are actually engaged for sustainability transformation in the world. And to go back and say, you know, what are the what are the 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 aspects where we can make, with a certain degree of humility, but also with a strong drive, a complementary contribution, because it is about not one organization or one network that is the Club of Rome holding the ultimate knowledge, but it is about convening conversations, about amplifying what the members do. It's about amplifying what other people do. And it is about invigorating people's sense of, um, I can make a difference or we can make a difference. I think that role, you know, with the reputation of the Club of Rome, if the Club of Rome can can get this, this, this sense of, again, you know, it's a sense of aliveness, it's a sense of a doability, you know, into the world and showcase, you know, what has uh, been already, what is already emerging in terms of new ideas, new approaches, kind of factual transformation approaches. And I'm very happy that the Club of Rome has now three topics, three initiatives that uh, we're going to get going. One is about really saying climate is, yeah, climate is urgent. So there's the, the, the climate emergency initiative. It's about really uh, getting our hats together and, and pushing together with other actors a, 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 a different collective behavior of governments, of companies, etc., uh, taking responsibility so that we that we go under stay below two degrees if not 1.5 as the latest APCC report uh, suggests so that really requires worldwide collective action the second initiative um, that is also very very interesting is called the emerging new civilization initiative where it is really about thinking what's the mindset shift that we need for a different kind of world what is the 
transformational literature, what's the knowledge about how to approach this transformation in an engagement process with many actors in a collective action process, and what are the systems, including company systems, financial systems, um, investment systems, etc., that actually mirror a planetary and aliveness and a human well-being, and, and what are the systems we need for for really responding to a future that needs to look differently. And the third initiative is around changing the economic system because that is determining so much of what we do. And of course, this is a huge learning journey why the Club of Rome is going to do this together with the We All Alliance and with, with other partners that are, you know, like uh, working towards an economy that is in service of life and not an economy that is destroying life. So these are the, the, the outlooks, and I'm quite excited about the future of the Club of Rome. Absolutely. So uh, where can people uh, go and learn more about your work? They can go to the website of our institute. Um, I also have a personal website, but it's the Collective Leadership Institute, and you find it under www.collectiveleadership.com. And I think that tells a lot about a, a way of, as I said, um, getting people into transformation literacy. Uh, that means that that needs to be an approach that needs to be owned in a day-to-day -day management approach by companies, by, by governments, by civil society organizations. And at the core, and that's the major work of what I do uh, as a founder of the Collective Leadership Institute, is really looking at cross-sector collaboration in order to go about the big challenges in the world. So that's where you can find more information. Do you have a Twitter account? Yes, I do have a Twitter account. The Collective Leadership Institute has a Twitter account, and I have a Twitter account. Which is? Do you have the name? It's Petra Kunkel. Okay. And the other one is CLI. Okay. How do you want to be remembered? What kind of impact do you want to leave behind? Wow, this is one of these uh, gravestone <laughs> questions, Mariana. <laughs> um, I would like to be remembered as a person who loved the world and who loved people. Wow. Like a lover. Exactly. Wow, that's simple and very complex at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so very much for your time uh, and generosity and wisdom. Uh, you're very inspiring and it's been a great pleasure to have you. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot also to you. Thanks, Mariana. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on Dr. Petra Künke and her latest report to the Club of Rome, visit petrakünke.com. That's P-E-T-R-A-K-U-E-N-K-E-L.com. Dr. Künke tweets at Petra Künke. For more on Dr. Vosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.